find the real purpose of life as you join us today on Grow in Grace. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure, your pleasure, Lord, they are created. You were created for God's pleasure. I was created for him. If I want to find meaning in life, I must live to please him. It's that simple. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place got to dwell with man. Sick be healed and the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. It's my pleasure now to welcome each of you to Grow in Grace, and you've picked a great day to join us. You know, when a person becomes a Christian, it is vitally important that they begin a daily time of study in God's Word. Now, I personally know of quite a few people who would recommend the Gospel of John as a good place to start. It serves as a great foundation in our understanding of the message of the Bible and beautifully explains who Jesus is. And today we begin a verse-by-verse -verse journey through John. We'll start things off with an introduction. As well, we'll take a look at the first 14 verses. Here's Pastor Ed Ray with the first of many studies in John. So we're starting in a new book this morning together in the Gospel of John, starting in verse 1, chapter 1. In the beginning, God. In the beginning was the Word. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? The same way Genesis begins. John writes, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. Without Him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God. His name was John. This is John the Baptist. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe, might believe, he was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every person, every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own, the Jews, did not know him, did not receive him. But as many as received him, he gave them the right to become children of God. He gave them the right. They didn't earn it. He gave them the right to become children of God. To those who believe hmm, in his name. Who were born, born again. Who were born again, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, 
full of grace and full of truth. Let's pray. Lord, we gathered here this morning to sit at your feet and learn from you. So we invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and speak into our hearts and minds. We ask, Lord, that you would change us, that you would do a work in each and every person within sound of my voice. Pray that you would make us more like you so that when we leave this place, we can sense your smile on our lives, your gifts working in us. Do these things we ask in the name of Jesus. And all of God's people agreed by saying, Amen. Amen. We are looking at this gospel that is a really a picture of the prince, of the king of kings, of the Lord of lords, the son of God himself, who came to earth. I was speaking with an atheist three weeks ago, which is one of my favorite things to do. I said during the conversation, Jesus Christ is the most influential person that has ever lived. And he disagreed until I explained to him what I meant. Jesus has had more books written about him, more songs composed about him, more pictures have been painted, more dramas have been produced about Jesus Christ than any other person in history. So you may not agree that he's God, that's your freedom, but you have to agree that he's touched every generation in almost every country in the world like no one else. So what is it about this Jesus that makes him so special? Well, in this gospel, John is writing about concepts, about who Jesus is. Jesus taught in parables. He talked about the sower throwing seed. He talked about fishing, things that could be translated into other languages. So obviously everyone on the earth could understand the simple gospel. Linguists believe, people who study languages, believe that we think in symbols and in pictures. And so we find the synoptic gospels, the first three, that word synoptic means same view. They have the same view from three different street corners, say, of Jesus' life. John is different. John is a unique gospel. It was written many years after Jesus died. We believe that Matthew, Mark, and Luke were written all within about 35 or 40 years of Jesus' death. But John, we believe, wasn't written until almost 170 years after Jesus died, at least. John himself was a teenager when he was called to be an apostle. And so for 70 years, he thought about having walked with Jesus for three and a half years. He thought about the words that Jesus said, the actions that he did. He thought about how he responded to people, just watched him. And then he did what Jesus asked him to do at the cross, to take care of his mother. You'll remember at the cross, John was the only apostle that was there. And Jesus pointed to his mother and said, this is your mother. And John took care of her. In fact, if you have gone with us on one of the footsteps of Paul's journey, when we go into Asia Minor to the city of Ephesus, 
That's where John, the writer of this gospel, is buried. And this tomb is venerated today, even by, mostly by the Orthodox Church. They visit it there. But John would spend the next 80 years of his life there, taking care of Jesus' mother, and then becoming a bishop of that area. And he became very well known in that area. So he writes about these concepts about Jesus. In fact, 12 times, John records Jesus' I am statements. John 6, I am the bread of life. John 8, I am the light. John 10, I am the door. I am the shepherd. Jesus said, I am the resurrection. I am life. I am the master. I am your Lord. I am the way, the only way into heaven. I am the truth, everything about me. I am the vine. And finally, I am that I am. Before Abraham was, he said, I am. So this section breaks up into three parts. He is the life, the first five verses, witness, six through eight. And the last section is about what it means to be the light who came into the world so that we might understand. During his lifetime in the 1950s, Albert Einstein, the great physicist, was honored by Time magazine as the most important man of the 20th century. Time got it wrong. It was still Jesus, the most important man of every century. But Einstein is a favorite character of mine. I've, I've studied his life because I enjoy physics, but there's a true story about his life as uh, traveling from Princeton, where he was a professor after he'd moved to America, on a train. And he was going to speak in New York City, and he got on the train like every other passenger and just sat down. Now, in those days, the conductor would go through the passenger cars and punch the tickets, right? So he's sitting in a car by, in a seat by himself, and the conductor comes through, and he's punching everybody, and he gets to Einstein, and Einstein's doing this. Obviously, he can't find his ticket. And the conductor said, uh, Dr. Einstein, we know who you are. We're, we're sure you bought a ticket. Uh, don't worry about it. And so he he thanked him, and he kept on going, punching, gets to the end of the car, and he turns around, look, and there's Einstein on his hands and knees looking for his ticket underneath the, you know, the seat. And so he runs back, he says, Dr. Einstein, Dr. Einstein, we all know who you are. He said, young man, I know who I am. I just don't know where I'm going. <laughs> as intelligent as Einstein was, the truth is, sadly, he didn't find the answer to that question, where I am going. He was a man who marveled at the miracles of Jesus. In fact, he said, any man is a fool who isn't in wonder at the things that Jesus had done. And when you lose your wonder of the mysterious, he said, you are a dead person walking. We don't believe Einstein ever became a believer, but he was looking carefully at this man whom we're looking at together. We're just getting started in our study of John on Grow in Grace. 
And again, we're in the first chapter with Pastor Ed Ray. Now, the Gospel of John makes three disclosures, three assertions about who Jesus is. In the first sentence, that opening sentence, in the beginning, and it rings in our ears because that's what Moses started the book of Genesis with, the same words. In the beginning, Moses said, God created the heavens and the earth, Genesis 1.1. So John, when he begins his gospel, and he's writing it years after the other three were, there wasn't anything wrong, deficit with the first three gospels. He had just observed a heresy in Asia where he was a bishop. The heresy, Gnosticism, the Greek word for knowing is Gnostic. And so they were a group of heretics who claimed to follow Jesus, but who declared Jesus was a lesser God, that there was Father God and then there were these other gods. In fact, the Da Vinci Code, the movie, is about the Gnostic heresies. So John begins to write about who Jesus really was, a man who walked with him for three and a half years and knew him very intimately. The man who put his head on the chest of Jesus at the Last Supper. The three assertions in the first verse are, in the beginning, was the Word. The word logos in Greek is a concept that has been put into words. Behind every concept, there are words, the Greeks said. Rightly or wrongly, that was their understanding of this word, logos. So in the beginning was the concept of God. In the beginning was the word. And the word, the concept of God, was with God. And then thirdly, the word was God. In the beginning... And you have to say, well, the beginning of what? The beginning of everything is what John is saying. Jesus has always existed. He is pre-existent. What? It's hard for our brain to get a hold of. A little girl asked me three weeks ago, she said, who made God? I said, no one. She said, what? I said, God always was. She gave me that look of, you're pulling my leg. I said, no, he always was, and he always will be. That's what John is trying to get a hold of here. Before the beginning of the earth, before the stars, the cosmos, stellar space, before the beginning of the angelic world, before there were seraphim or cherubim, from before anything we can even think of, as a starting point. I'm going slow here because I want it to blow your mind. <laughs> I want your mind to screech to a halt and go, wait a minute, that doesn't compute. I can't think of before anything was, he was already there, because that's the way we're wired. The Jews call that in the Hebrew language the vanishing point, that eternity means to them parallax. That's uh, physics word for standing on a train track, looking, say, it out in the middle of the desert, 29 palms, and you stand in the middle of the train track, and you look down the track, and you see the tracks get closer and closer, according to your eye, until they touch. 
And that point is called the vanishing point. That's the Hebrew word for eternity. Beyond our ability to grasp it. Hmm. So it's a little bit of a futile search to try and come up with a concept that you can hang on to. That's the best they could do. From the beginning of everything, in the beginning was the Word. He was already there. And the Word was with God. Now, without getting too bogged down here, the Greek language is much more precise than the English language. We have one word for with. They have nine. <laughs> Alongside of, attached to, doing things together, touching. This particular word of with was doing the same thing together. So the word, Jesus, was doing the same thing with Father God. And then the mind blower, the word, was God. This is a blunt statement in the Greek language, kai theos in logos. Literally, and God was word. He says that really short and chopped off, truncated, because he's trying to come against this heresy called Gnosticism. It is one of the most significant verses in Scripture to help us understand God. This one, the Word was God. Jesus is God. Jesus was God. Jesus will forever be God. Well, wait a minute. I thought the Father was God. He is. Well, I thought the Holy Spirit was God. That's what Scripture says. He is. And so Jesus is God. Yes. <laughs> this is Trinity, a word that doesn't appear in the Bible, but which is clearly delineated, pointed to. The Bible says Father is God. The Bible says the Holy Spirit is God. The Bible says Jesus is God. How can that be? Three persons in one. Jews, Muslims, and Christians all believe in a single God. But then the Christians have this concept of trinity of three persons. It's actually in Hebrew also, but Jews don't recognize it. I mentioned Moses wrote, in the beginning God, and the word is Elohim in Hebrew. In the beginning God, but the word Elohim is a composite, three or more. The single word for God, if there was one God, it would say in the beginning El, single, singular. Or if there were two, it would say in the beginning Allah. It doesn't. It says in the beginning Elohim, the Trinity was there. And that's exactly what John is saying. And that's why he matched up his opening words with Genesis. Okay. Thanks, Pastor. That was as clear as mud. You can use illustrations, but it doesn't help. <laughs> well, it's like water. It's liquid, it's steam, and it's a solid. No, it's not. <laughs> Jesus is different than that. He was in the beginning with God. There's that with again. United in the activity of God. All things. Here's a mind blower, verse 3. All things were made through him. Wait a minute, Pastor. I, I thought... Father God was their creator. He is. I thought the Spirit moved over the water and troubled and brought order. 
He's a creator. Yes, he is. All things were made through Jesus. And without him, nothing was made that was made. Colossians, the book that Paul wrote to the church at a little city called Colossae, verse 16 of the first chapter says, For by Jesus were all things created. Same thing John is saying. All things that are in heaven, that are on earth, that are visible, invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Ah. And he's before all things and by him all things consist. Jesus is not only the creator, he's also the object of creation. What? You were created to bring pleasure to God. You, personally. It says so, Revelations 4.11. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things. And for thy pleasure, your pleasure, Lord, they are created. You were created for God's pleasure. I was created for him. If I want to find meaning in life, I must live to please him. It's that simple. Well, I want to be truly free. Absolute freedom is, in fact, bondage. Freedom to God, freedom with God, because you are bound to him, is the greatest freedom any human being can find. God holds all things together. I read rather quickly there in Colossians. Jesus, all things together for him. I want to try and give you a, this is an impossible illustration, but we know atoms are made up of three basic components, neutrons, protons, and electrons. We all studied that in junior high science. So how small is a proton? A proton is so tiny, the number is actually 2.5 times 10 to the minus 15th power. That's 2.5 with 15 zeros in front of it. So tiny that if you tried to, in front of you or on your book or a piece of paper, stack protons together to make an inch of protons, an inch long, and then you wanted to count them to make sure you had the right amount, at 100 protons a minute counting, if you could see them, which you can, but a hundred a minute, day and night, for 24-7, it would take 18 billion years to count one inch of protons. I'm using the numbers that are real, but they're impossible to wrap our mind around. Jesus is controlling all of those things. He is the one who created all, and he controls, holds them together by the word of his power. You're listening to Pastor Ed Ray on Growing Grace and the first of many studies in the Gospel of John. For a CD copy of today's message, call 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. Or listen online at thepackinghouse.org when it's most convenient. And to help you grow in grace, 
we'd like to recommend Pastor Ed's daily devotional. It's accessible online at thepackinghouse.org. Our featured resource this month is Tale of Three Kings, authored by Gene Edwards. And I'm sure we've all experienced pain, loss, or heartache at the hands of other believers, and it can be a confusing time. But rather than turn bitter and angry, you can experience healing and hope. Gene Edwards looks at David, Saul, and Absalom. I know you'll be touched as you read this story. We'll send it your way for a gift of any amount to grow in grace. And please remember, it's your support that helps us bring these teachings to the radio every day. Call 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. We love hearing from our listeners. Let us know how we can pray for you and what you're getting out of this study. Tell us your story of how you've been growing in grace. That would be so encouraging to hear. Drop us an email today at packinghouseradio at aol.com. That's packinghouseradio at aol.com. We'll come back to our study of John's Gospel next week on Growing Grace with Pastor Ed Ray, a presentation of the Packinghouse Christian Fellowship in Redlands. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place gotta dwell with man. Sick be healed, and the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I said, let this world know me by your.